Good afternoon, America. Let me get my screen fixed. How are you guys doing this afternoon? I hope everyone's doing well and welcome back to another edition of the Sea Report. This time we're coming at you on what? Wednesday, May 12th, 2021. And again, I do hope everyone is having a great afternoon. All right, guys. So I promised you all today that we would not be talking COVID, uh, sorry, <clears throat> campaign auditing news. Oh, God, where is my head right now? I just took a little bit of um, organic coconut oil. So I think I'm going to be a little bit uh, wired up for the next couple of minutes. But anyhow, let me get my thoughts straight. First of all, welcome again to the Sea Report for Wednesday, May 12th. Uh, we are coming to you guys live on the Foxhole app and on the Twitches, as well as streaming live on our Spreaker platform for those of you who are involved in the podcasting side of things. And we have quite a show for you today. Now, today we will not be focusing on the election audits that are going on in Arizona, New Hampshire, and also in Michigan, and uh, probably soon to be in Wisconsin, since all that stuff blew open the other day as we reported back on the Sea Report yesterday. But yes, uh, we've had quite an afternoon so far, and I've got plenty of news today, so I really shouldn't diddly-daddly too much. I'm um, just going to say a quick hello to everyone joining us over the Foxhole app, Tracy Lee, Monkey Toes, Nylon Camel. Good to see you again, too. Oh, I like that. A double dose of vitamin C. Oh, well, I thank you very much. So, but don't forget to get your vitamin D also, because let me tell you what, your body can't process many of those vitamins without sunlight. Okay, guys, good to know. Good to know. Okay, so uh, yes, t uh, Trump does typically lead here at the Sea Report, but the first thing I do need to let you all know right off the bat, you're probably like, who's that guy right there? Okay, well, this is Patrick Von Dolan, and he is the uh, Lexit USA candidate. If you guys remember the Hashtag Lexit, uh, conservative movement of Latinos, actually a conservative movement supporting conservatives in San Antonio, believe it or not, but they're also a nationwide campaign. Now, if you guys may remember, we did have uh, Patrick out um, on the Sea Report about a week and going on two weeks now, <clears throat> two weeks on Friday, uh, he will be out. Um, he actually made it into the runoffs for the city of San Antonio city council elections. So for the municipal elections, uh, and we have him uh, in a runoff phase. Hey, Localiz, what's going on? I see you over there in uh, Twitch. Thanks for joining us. Okay, so with Patrick Von Dolan, a very important runoff, guys. Now, city of San Antonio, as I've been stressing, it is one of the swampiest swamps in the United States of America. They are just everything, but everything is so subtle here. You would think, oh, it's just a well-to-do city with a pretty little stream that runs through it that they call a river, right? Anyways, San Antonio is dirty. Um, and everyone just does the bidding of the mayor here. The mayor just got reelected to his third term. Uh, so, I mean, uh, there's going to be no end in sight. And then also, you know, Prop A did pass uh, in San Antonio during the elections. And Prop A was carte blanche for the city councilman to just spend the taxpayer money however they want. That did pass, you know, so we're going to be dealing with that. Now, with that in mind, we need someone on the San Antonio City Council that will say, hey, 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 
hold up, wait up, hold up, wait up. You can't just spend money the way you want to anymore. And Patrick Von Dolan is the guy that we're going to get to do it now. Like I said, we had um, an interview with all of the Lexit candidates who were running and said, well, not all of them. We were missing two of them. But we, we had a pretty, ra a pretty hearty interview with uh, eight of the candidates um, on the C report. Patrick was one of them. Patrick was a very well-spoken. He has his receipts. He knows his stuff. This guy could probably run for higher than city council, but, uh, he's gracing San Antonio with the possibility of being in our city election. So anyways, needless to say, the runoffs are on June 5th coming up in, uh, just under a month. I mean, we, we actually have some good time to get ahead of this. Um, and so, uh, we will have Patrick back on the C report to talk about what he's going up against uh, in this campaign. He's going up against a diehard progressive socialist who's getting all the media attention. Right now, the media in San Antonio is just fawning over John Courage, is this guy's name. And, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to demystify and dispel uh, the work that Patrick has done. Um, and Patrick just got... Um, he just received an endorsement from the San Antonio Police Officers Association, which is big. You know, San Antonio Police Officers Association does not support or endorse anybody. But uh, because of this man's efforts uh, um, to, to bring back some accountability to the city of San Antonio, as well as to um, ensure that Prop B did not pass, and indeed it did not pass, it missed by a very narrow margin of 3,500 votes. Uh, so, and, and this was the biggest, uh, most participated in election in San Antonio history with over 100,000 San Antonians coming out. So we're going to have Patrick back on the C report on Friday. It's been confirmed. He'll be joining us for a little bit on Friday afternoon. So if you guys, uh, would like to show your support, uh, you know, spread the word if you're in the Texas area or if you're in San Antonio, um, and also visit patrickvondolhen.com or you can call up his campaign at 210-908-00. And typically we don't, uh, well, you know what, we, we, we don't want to, typically we wouldn't endorse right out like, you know, go Trump, go Trump, whatever. But like, this is a city election. We're working hard to get our backyards cleaned up. Um, and so, um, I'm just going to say if any of you guys could uh, spread word of mouth or whatever you're looking for, they're looking for volunteers for phone calls. Uh, they're looking for small donations and I don't like to ask for money and I'm very bad at self-promotion with that in mind. So, uh, I'm not going to ask that of you guys, but just so you know, that information is there. That is what the campaign is asking for, but we'll have him on Friday on the show for sure. So uh, if you guys are any uh, curious about this man and what he has to say, very well spoken. I was blown away with the amount of information that he had when he was on the show the last time. So we're looking to support him here at the Sea Report. And uh, hopefully you all will be able to. All right, Mr. Von Dolan, your time in the sun has expired for this episode. Uh, because as you all know, <clears throat> Trump does lead at the Sea Report. But uh, we need to get this man elected. So all right. So let's go ahead and get into it. We have a jam-packed show for you guys today. We're not going to talk about the election audits because uh, that's all the C report has become. But now we're going to uh, see what Trump had to say. Let's go ahead and get to some of his statements. I'll go ahead and expand that for you. First statement of the day. This one was kind of funny. Congratulations to Martha's Vineyard in Massachusetts. I hope little Edie is doing okay over there in Martha's Vineyard for the privilege they will have in looking at massive windmills that have been approved by the Biden administration and are being built in China, of course, as part of an extraordinary large wind farm. 
Wind is an incredibly expensive form of energy that kills birds, affects the sea, ruins the landscape, and creates disasters for navigation. Liberals love it, but they can't help explain they can't explain why say they can't help themselves but they can't explain why in any event martha's vineyard an absolutely wonderful place will never be the same good luck yep that sounds like it's going to be fun right president trump okay let's see what else we got here from the trump uh the trumpster the government of the united kingdom is proposing that anyone who wants to vote in a british election should show photo id to eliminate any corruption and fraud and ensure the integrity of elections this is exactly what we should do in the united states unlike the democrats who want to abolish voter id laws with passing their horrible hr1 bill all states should pass voter id laws along with many other fair comprehensive uh, election reforms like eliminating mass smell in voting and ballot harvesting so we never again have an election rigged and stolen from us the people are demanding real reform yep 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 you can bet that's uh, you can bet that's the truth oh hey miss katie man over there in the united kingdom yes yes postal votes that would have problems and yeah we just mentioned uh, you guys want mail you guys want photo id over there isn't that great okay back to the trump's messages i'm just i don't know why i'm calling him the trump i see that everybody is comparing joe biden to jimmy carter it would seem to me that is very unfair to jimmy carter Jimmy mishandled crisis after crisis, but Biden has created crisis after crisis. Uh, I mean, come on, guys. Uh, we're talking about the pipeline here now. Okay, we're not going to talk about the pipeline on the C Report today. We're letting everyone else talk about that. But yeah, I mean, clearly, uh, what was it? There were no oil problems during Trump's uh, uh, time in office. And, and now with this optical illusion president, Joe Biden... <laughs> Gug, gug, and then and then I heard uh, I heard that his uh, one of his administrators, our people, was like, "Yeah, um, uh, we probably should use pipelines." But what did they do? They shut down the Keystone. Jeez, Louise. Anyways, back to the statement. Um, first, there was the Biden border crisis. Yep, he created that one too, and he refuses to call it a crisis. Then the Biden economic crisis. Then the Biden Israel crisis, and now the Biden gas crisis. Joe Biden has had the worst start of any president in the United States history, and someday they will compare future disasters to the Biden administration. But no, Jimmy was better. Jimmy, where are you, Jimmy? I don't know. Do you guys saw where Jimmy was? <laughs> Jimmy and his wife had a nice Photoshop opportunity with uh, President-Select Biden and First Lady-Select Jill Biden. Yeah, that was fun. Hey, the Grouch 79 what's going on? See you there in the Twitch. And also, uh, let's go ahead and, you know, I, you know, I'm not going to complain. I was saying it would be nice if uh, Donald Trump website, thedonaldtrump.com, donaldjtrump.com, um, would update his statements on the daily, because uh, I was having to dig around there for a while, and now he's doing like five or six full-blown statements a day. I can't complain, I guess I asked for it, right? Beggars can't be choosers, and I will accept full responsibility for that request, even though I know it didn't come at my behest. Okay, the next statement, we're getting into some of the dirty dirty with Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney is a bitter... Horrible human being, 
I watched her yesterday and realized how bad she is for the Republican Party. She has no personality or anything good having to do with politics for our country or our country. She is, talk she is a talking point for Democrats, whether that means the border, the gas lines, inflation, for de um, or destroying our economy. She is a warmonger among... Oh, she's a warmonger whose family stupidly pushed us into the never-ending Middle East disaster, draining our wealth and depleting our great military, the worst decision in our country's history. I look forward to soon watching her as a paid contributor on CNN, the Communist News Network, or MSDNC. Maybe she'll get a hosting spot with that man, Maddow. Or maybe uh, Maddow's clone, that Jones, that Chris guy, Chris Hayes. Like, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, you, there's something there's something in the family about those two. Anyways, and then the last statement that we'll be sharing from President Trump today. The Republicans in the House of Representatives have a great opportunity today to rid themselves of a poor leader, a major Democrat talking point, a warmonger, and a person with absolutely no personality or heart. As a representative of the great state of Wyoming, Liz Cheney is bad for our country and bad for herself. Almost everyone in the Republican Party, including 90% of Wyoming, looks forward to her ouster, and that includes me. And of course, as we know, as of sometime this morning, uh, the uh, GOP did indeed oust her from her position uh, and she is no longer part of it. But we'll get into that in just a bit. Let's see. We talked about uh, Von Dolan. Okay. I had some extras here that I was going to start with. Maybe we should just get into Liz Cheney and Elise Stefanik. Uh, because we do have a full show today. So uh, I had some other things that I was going to... But no, no, no. Let's just jump into it. Since Trump led us here to the Liz Cheney factor, who is now a non-factor and soon to be a big old fat nothing burger... We know that Liz Cheney was, what, daughter of former Vice President Dick Cheney? I mean, come on. It's in the bloodline. Like, who would have, who would have indeed, you know, let me see what I got right here. Yeah, who would have indeed trusted anyone with that type of bloodline, right? It's like when you hear McCain, when you hear Cheney, when you hear Bush, like, you know, that's a family that you're not going to, you're not going to trust. And thank goodness that... Clinton's daughter is not running for any type of office because I don't think I could stand to see another Clinton running for any type of campaign. Uh, but yeah, you had her, uh, Dick Cheney's daughter, and she was, of course, the House Republican Conference chairwoman, which gave her a lot of, uh, you know, power on leading where the chamber would take their messages. Uh, but now they've been out, she's been ousted as of this morning, right? And I really think, guys, that uh, the final nail in the coffin... <laughs> was when O.J. Simpson endorsed her. I mean, come on, guys. Who wants, uh, who wants an endorsement from O.J. Simpson, right? He, was, he said he was a fan of hers. You know, he's like, leave her alone. Leave Liz Cheney alone. Yeah, O.J., you better keep on running, buddy, because no one wants your, uh, <laughs> wants your endorsement. Maybe that was a well-placed endorsement. They're like, okay, guys, if we can just get her endorsed by one, you know, one black man who committed murder who got away with it, you know, maybe, maybe <laughs> she'll have a, she'll get her out. And uh, yeah, apparently that's what it did. But you know, that, that brings to the question and I didn't get into the, uh, I didn't get into the headlines in the last uh, hour or two because I was already putting together my report. Um, if, if they've decided who's going to replace her. Now we know the name Elise Stefanik 
has come up several times, right? Oh, and, um, you know, so in mind with that, we're like, okay, well, who's Elise Stefanik? Let's kind of like get a handle on her. And I was talking about her the other night, right? And I, I, I did, I did compare it to this woman. Oh, who's that? <laughs> that is Marie J. Stefan. But the other night I kept saying Stefanik, 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 Marie J. Stefanik. Okay. Marie J. Stefan. Yeah. You don't got to worry about this hag anymore. She's been taken out. Uh, she was formerly with the Pentagon. She was colluding with Mark Esper and Antifa and BLM to do an insurrection during the, uh, that's why Esper was fired because of this woman right here, this crack addict right here. Um, anyways, enough about her. So anyways, that's why I have to have my notes, guys, because I know about Marie J. Stefan, but when I see a name like uh, Elise J. Stefanik, or Elise Stefanik, I'm like, you know, my my uh, my disabilities come out. I don't know. Okay, so this is Elise Stefanik. <laughs> not Stefan, and not Marie J. Stefanik. Elise Stefan. You guys have probably seen her now. I was like, okay, but I know I've heard this name. So, where did I hear this name? And okay, and I am not in any way endorsing or promoting Elise Stefan. See, there I go again. Elise Stefanik, even though <laughs> even though uh, President Trump has endorsed her. Now, uh, here's the reason, here's where I was remembering her from. So I'm going to play some quick clips. It, she was on the Intelligence Committee. She was there during the impeachments. She was there battling Adam Schiff. Shifty shift, you know, shift for brains. Uh, so here's a quick reminder for those of you who may have seen them, but don't remember uh, of what Stefan, uh, Elise Stefanik was, uh, was doing for us at that time. Oh, there's this idiot Castro right here. He needs to go. He needs to go. Since the chairman has gaveled out all of my colleagues with their unanimous consent, I am going to read for the record many of the chairman's comments uh, in September of the importance of hearing from the whistleblower. Again, Ambassador, thank you for your patience. Thank you for your service. But since we haven't been able to conduct ourselves in normal procedures, I'm just going to use the five minutes for this. September 29th in the Wall Street Journal, Quote, the whistleblower at the center of the impeachment investigation of President Trump will testify in the House very soon. This is a quote by the chairman. USA Today, September 29th, talking with ABC News this week, Schiff, the Democrat who chairs the House Intelligence Committee, said the whistleblower would testify very soon. And the only thing standing in the way was getting security clearances for the attorneys representing the whistleblower so they could attend the testimony. From Vox, September 29th. Rep. Adam Schiff said Sunday the whistleblower at the center of a growing scandal surrounding President Donald Trump will testify before the House Intelligence Committee very soon. On CNN, September 29th, Schiff said Sunday on ABC as well as NBC's Meet the Press that he expects the whistleblower to testify very soon. The Washington Post, September 29th. In an appearance on ABC News this week, Schiff echoed Pelosi's message. He also said he expected the Intelligence Committee to hear from the whistleblower very soon, pending a security clearance from Acting Director of National Intelligence, Joseph McGuire. In the Huffington Post, Schiff told ABCs this week that he expects the whistleblower to appear before this committee very soon. In the New York Post, quote, we'll get the unfiltered testimony of that whistleblower. In the Washington Times, quote, that whistleblower will be allowed to come in. These are all quotes from Chairman Adam Schiff. In Talking Points Memo, the question was posed, actually this was by George Stephanopoulos, have you reached an agreement yet with the whistleblower and his or her attorneys about coming before the committee and providing the information firsthand? Quote, yes we have, Schiff responded, 
And as DNI McGuire promised during the hearing, that whistleblower will be allowed to come in and come in without a minder from the Justice Department or from the White House to tell the whistleblower what they can and cannot say. We'll get the unfiltered testimony of that whistleblower. In Daily Coast, we're ready to hear from the whistleblower as soon as that is done. And we'll keep obviously riding shotgun to make sure that the acting director doesn't delay in that clearance process. In CNBC, we'll get the unfiltered testimony of that whistleblower. In Market Watch, House Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff said Sunday that an agreement has been reached under which the whistleblower will testify before the committee very soon. I can keep going, but again, the chairman refused to uh, allow us to put these into the record with unanimous consent. So I've read those out, and as we know, it is important to protect whistleblowers from retaliation and from firing. And we want to make sure whistleblowers are able to come forward. But in this case, the fact that we are getting criticized by Chairman Adam Schiff for statements that he himself made early on in this process shows the duplicity and just the abuse of power that we are continuing to see. With a minute 54 seconds left, I'll yield to my colleague, Mr. Jordan. I think Okay, in the interest of time, we can't finish watching that clip. Ooh, that man, Adam Schiff. I cannot stand that man. Okay, here's another clip we'll play real quick. Mr. Chairman, will you be prohibiting witnesses from answering members' questions as you have in the closed-door depositions? Uh, as the gentlewoman should know, she was present for the deposition. Which I was, Mr. For Chairman. some of them, yes. Correct. Um, the, uh, the only times I prevented witnesses from answering questions, uh, along with our counsel, was when it was apparent that members were seeking to out the whistleblower. We will do everything necessary to protect the whistleblower's identity, uh, and I'm disturbed to hear members of the committee who have in the past voiced strong support for whistleblower protections seek to undermine those protections by outing the whistleblower. So Mr. Chairman, only one member in their staff on this committee has direct knowledge of the identity of the whistleblower. We'll suspend. You asked a parliamentary inquiry, and I am responding, or a point of order, and I am responding. We will not permit the outing of the whistleblower, and questions along those lines, counsel will inform their clients not to respond to. If necessary, I would, will intervene. Otherwise, I want... Okay, we'll pause there because it's just shift blowing air. You know, and you guys, you know who the whistleblower was, right? The whistleblower, it was it was their uh, wiretap. There was no whistleblower. Anyways, so yeah, yes, that is, yes, that is Satan himself. At least that's one of Satan's many forms, isn't it? Okay, and then here's, here's one last clip we'll play of Elise Stefan. Notice who's standing behind her. Um, Elise Stefanik, I represent New York's 21st Congressional District. I'm in my third term. This is my second term on Intelligence Committee. Um, I wanted to echo what Liz mentioned. This has been a closed door, unfair and unprecedented process. Tens of millions of Americans should know that their member of Congress has had no access to any of the transcripts. In fact, no member has been able to read every transcript. And let me tell you why. There have only been two transcripts that have made available two Intelligence Committee members. The first is Kirk Volker's. The second is Ambassador Ivanovich's. We were notified this week by at our staff level that they would only be printing one transcript for every single member, whether you're on the committee or not, and you would have to read it with a member of Democratic staff. That is unprecedented and unfair. Again, this is coming from I sit on the Intelligence Committee. 
I strongly believe that every member of Congress should have access to every single transcript because the question begs, how are these members talking about this in their district? How are they so sure the Democratic support of impeachment when they don't have access to the very evidence in this closed process? And I also believe that every transcript should be released to the American public. We continue to see press reports of cherry-picked excerpts or portions from transcripts. That's breaking the rules, but I believe that this should be transparent. It's not a political game. This is a very, very serious process, and uh, Chairman Schiff is unfit to chair the Intelligence Committee, and these are many of the process reasons why. All right. So there's a little a little reminder about who this Elise Stefan is. Now, um, okay. So again, like we, like, as was discussed this morning in Methods meeting, you know, everyone in Washington is suspect. Anyone in politics is suspect, right? You know, like we can't always trust them to do what they're going to say. Uh, I mean, of all of the members representing us right now, there's like maybe more than 10, less than 15, you know, that we can actually say are standing up for our constitutional rights, are actively fighting. It's probably it's probably like around 12 or 8 to 12 of them, actually. So we, we don't know for sure about this Miss Elise. What we do know for a fact is that she did, in fact, vote for Liz Cheney to be in the position that she's in. So, and then you notice how Liz Cheney was standing behind her, you know, so, uh, and then, you know, with, with uh, all of these things coming out, like about, you know, Minority Whit McCarthy or whatever, like, you have to wonder what really is the motivation, what's really causing them to move forward. But what we do know is that President Trump has endorsed her, like, by name, he thinks that she should be the one to replace Liz Cheney. Now, I, I'm not I don't think I don't think I am overqualifying statement by saying that Trump makes very strategic and smart moves. You know, I, I believe that everyone that has been put into a cabinet position or a leader leadership position by Trump was done for a reason. And if you keep in mind that there's maybe eight to 12 of them that are actually fighting for America and fighting for Americans, you know, it's like everyone that he picked from either was like the better of two evils, which I don't think that's what it was. I think he picked the evilest, honestly, so that he could see what their moves are going to be, who they're talking to, how they were going to defy him, how they were going to betray him, how they were going to stop up the gum works for what he was trying to do and move forward. And again, uh, it might sound like I'm giving too much credence to Trump, but it's the machine, the it's the apparatus that's working behind him, not the man, because obviously he has an administration Obviously, he didn't do this on his own. Like, obviously, he has the power of Space Force behind him or something like that, you know. So anyways, um, I shared this with you guys a little while ago. This is um, a website called uh, 538.com. And it gives you the progress uh, or tracks the Congress in the age of Trump is what it says. So at projects, plural, dot, uh, 538.com slash Congress dash Trump dash score you can actually look at all of the senators and congressmen's voting record opposed to what Trump voted for. So um, I think this is a useful tool that, you know, if you want to use Trump as a goalpost or a guidepost for how these people work, you can see what they did. So uh, in Elise Stefanik's case, what we found out is that she actually voted less on Trump's side compared to Liz Cheney. So Liz Cheney actually voted in agreement more with Trump than Elise Stefanik did. Let's hear. Uh, uh, the National Defense Authorization Act, Trump opposed it. Elise did not. Um, the National Defense Authorization... Okay, yeah, it went through a couple of votes on that. 
Let's see here. Providing additional money to the United States Postal Service and prohibiting the agency from making certain changes. Trump opposed that. Elise did not. Now, if you remember that, uh, they were wanting more money for it, right? Uh, and that, I believe, would have gone into like, oh, we're going to pay off more of our, our mail po postmaster generals. We're going to pay off more of our post office supervisors to commit this fraud against America. That's what I think that was all about. Providing assistance to people affected by the coronavirus. Trump's, oh, they both supported it. Okay. You got to look for the X's, right? Uh, making changes to labor laws, opposed for, wait, me reading the wrong one, providing disaster aid to Puerto Rico. Trump opposed it because of that, that, uh, that dumb idiot down there, the mayor of, of San Juan. Uh, she was for it. So they just, you can go and look at your record and like, we're not going to go through all of these, obviously. But again, like I said, some, some of us, including myself would question as to why Trump would support someone who supported Liz Cheney, who also voted against him percentage wise more than Liz Cheney did. But again, you know, we don't know, guys. We have to wait and see what the story is. That's where I kind of take faith um, in, in whether or not the apparatus working behind Trump is indeed, you know, what it says that it is. And uh, and we just have to wait and see. Literally, because if we're not cleaning out our own backyards ourselves, we're literally just putting our faith in these people. Do we want to keep doing that? I don't know. You know, like, that's a good question. That's why they say sometimes that they're waiting for, they're waiting to see how how Americans were going to react to all of this to see if we really are going to fight for the country that we feel that we deserve. Okay, guys, that's going to take us to our next story. Uh, we're going to go over to, what is this, Pennsylvania. I believe this is the flag of Pennsylvania, if, not, if I am not mistaken. Okay, so I said we were not going to talk about um, uh, the election audits going on, but I have one small story of election fraud because I do like to make sure that election fraud is covered at the Sea Report because people constantly said, there's no such thing as election fraud, right? Well, that's wrong. There's most definitely um, cases of election fraud, and we have all the receipts for, it was like one of our March show, no, no, one of our April shows where we did a whole expose on a whole bunch of election fraud that was confirmed and people were convicted and it was all in the headlines and yet the mainstream media, lamestream media, legacy media still decides to tell you that there's no such thing as election fraud. So a real quick story of election fraud coming out of Bucks County, Pennsylvania. We had two women who tried to vote in the name of their dead mothers in the November election. Now we heard about dead people voting, but these two individuals actually uh, actually did it themselves. It, it wasn't the Democrats digging up the dead voter rolls um, that were all dirty and you know not cleaned out. But an uh, article here from um, The Morning Call says that two Bucks County women filled out mail-in ballot applications for their dead mothers in separate incidences ahead of the November election. While the investigation resulted in charges against the women, District Attorney Matthew Weintraub said his office found the incidents were isolated and there was no evidence of widespread or systemic election fraud in Bucks County. Now, I don't have the pictures for you, but I do have the names. Danielle Elaine Dooner of Buckingham, 56 years old, and Melissa Ann Fisher of Quakertown, 51 years old, um, are going to be charged on one count 
each of violations of provisions relating to absentee and mail-in ballots, a misdemeanor of the third degree, according to their DA's office. Um, so that's basically that on the story. Uh, the 2020 election year was the first time Pennsylvania voters were able to use the new no-excuse mail-in ballot option allowed under Act 77 of 2019. According to the statement from his office, a handwriting analysis is how they figured out that Dooner's mother did not sign either the application or the ballot, um, it, that it was in fact signed by herself. And again, this is how they busted Miss uh, uh, that uh, uh, Melissa Ann Fisher, because again, by handwriting analysis, they were able to determine that uh, the mother did not sign the election documents herself. Very interesting, guys. See, that goes into some of the forensics of it all. That's why we need to make sure that we have forensic audits of all of these elections, etc. and etc. And if you're joining us again today at the Foxhole app, thank you for joining us. I remember when I started this, nobody was doing a four o'clock show, but that's why we have restreams so you can guys can go fox hopping. All right, now back into it. Uh, oh, so here's another story. Now you guys, oh, you're like, who is this? Who is this? Jagoff, who's on my screen, right? That is Christopher Steele. You guys remember Christopher Steele, don't you? Okay, if the name sounds familiar, you might remember him as the author of the PP dossier that they used against uh, President Trump back at the uh, towards the beginning middle of his his uh, term in presidency. Uh, quick recap on the PP dossier: uh, he he submitted this dossier uh, that basically said Trump and a couple of Russian spies uh, had a nice night of golden showers in some hotel room. So anyways, that turned out to be fraud. That turned out to be fake, phony, and false, as Dave would say. And it was not true. Now, this guy who is a former MI6 spy, uh, retired, I guess you could say, uh, got, got, um, got his um, money from um, basically ended up being the DNC, the Clinton campaign, and others. Well, there's news about where he was getting some more, some more information. Now, in case you guys don't recall or, or you know, whatever, we also had, um, we also had uh, the FBI. They went into, uh, they finally went into, uh, like, trying to figure out what was going on. And it was through uh, the Inspector General's report via four um, FISA applications, uh, FISA Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act applications, that they found out that Carter Page had lied about it. Uh, and so everything just started to fall apart after that. The dossier was found to have been basically barroom talk that they decided to use against Trump. I mean, to no end. I, I mean... Uh, what, I think that's projection there. You know, maybe they're the ones who are into golden showers. And trust me, golden showers do not bring May flowers. Okay, so um, the Epic Times had an article out that said uh, there was a billionaire-backed operative that kept funding steel and Fusion GPS even after the dossier lost its credibility. Um, so here we have uh, from the... Um, Epic, uh, Epic Times, there was a report, a former staffer for Senator Dianne Feinstein. Doesn't it figure that Dianne Feinstein would have her dirty little fingers involved in this again? After all, she had a Chinese driver spy, apparently, for so long. Feinstein, Feinstein, Feinstein. Anyways, um, so this dude, who's a former staffer for her, his name is Daniel Jones. And we're just going to keep Christopher Steele on the screen. Sorry, guys. But uh, Daniel Jones is a guy's name. Um, he paid large sums of money 
in 2019 to this former British spy, Christopher Steele, and to Fusion GPS, um, the firm that retained Steele for work on Hillary Clinton-funded misinformation dossier, the PP dossier, even as the credibility of both Steele and the claims of his dossier evaporated. Now, Daniel Jones did this through, again, organizations that are nonprofit. They, they always work through nonprofit organizations. Um, the Democracy... Uh, Integrity Project, which was a non-profit organization, paid Christopher Steele uh, through Bean LLC one million two hundred twenty-two thousand dollars and seven hundred twenty-two two thousand two hundred twenty-four seven hundred fourteen dollars. Sorry, guys. Um, the shell company is uh, Bean LLC. That's the company that controls. Fusion GPS, and then the Democracy Project, Integrity Project, went on to pay $700,000 to Walsingham Partners LTD, which is a British company um, co-owned by Steele, according to tax filing papers. So, again, they keep on uh, sending money to these people through their nonprofit organizations. Again, to me, this is another another dark-to-light moment where we're seeing more of the web, and it's intricately woven, of course, but we're seeing where the money's going. We're seeing how they're doing it. We're seeing who it's being done to. It's just up to... You know, it's funny. It's like if the people via like, via news and, and current events news and, and stuff like that, if the people don't learn about it, it's almost as if the news doesn't report on it. So we have to know these things, guys. We have to know what's going on because if we don't know what's going on, the legacy media will not be able to attempt to, to hold these people accountable. I mean, they wouldn't hold them accountable anyways, but if the story gets out there, if it's pushed to the surface, it has to be reported by them because then they lose even more credibility. And we all know that they've lost so much credibility that uh, they have to kind of keep up with some of these things. That's why you're, you're going to see more stuff coming out of Arizona and out of these audits that are going on because they have to. They basically have to. But basically, the story surmises that uh, there, was, uh, there were multiple agencies that were headed by this Daniel Jones guy. It was the Democracy Integrity Project. Um, it was also a, um, a group called New Knowledge. And then there was another group. There was a third group um, that was doing it. Let me see if I can find it. Oh, uh, also the people in Silicon Valley. The Silicon Valley Community Foundation. Um, and, and let's not forget this, guys. The, the Democracy Integrity Project was funded by da, 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 none other than Soros's Open Society Foundations. So George Soros's Open Society Foundation gave the Democracy Integrity Project $1.5 million, and they in turn gave $1.2 million to, um, to Bean LLC, which is the owner, uh, which controls Fusion GPS. So you see where all of this money is connected? Anyway, so that just broke in the epic time, so I thought I would share it with you guys. Now we are moving on to the Rona, and we got to do this quick because I want to make sure I get all of this information out to you guys. We're going to be talking about the coronavirus for a little bit. We're going to be talking about vaccines for a little bit, so uh, hang on tight, folks. Okay, first story up, we have the CDC just comes out. Uh, they, they had a story that came out uh, in the New York Times that they basically revealed that your risk of getting COVID outdoors, in other words, the transmission of COVID in the great outdoors, was greatly exaggerated. Oh, go figure. As it turns out, if you're outdoors, the transmission rate of COVID is 1% or less. 
and we were told you have to wear your masks, you have to you have to socially distance, you have to run along the side of the highway in 90 degree weather with a mask on and all these automobile fumes in your face and then you pass out and you die. Like, okay, this is, I mean, it's incredible, folks. Like, all of this is coming out. And I don't think that they're going to be able to keep these studies um, um, uh, sequestered and put away anymore. I really don't. Uh, because everyone's tired of it. Everyone knows it's fake. Everyone knows it's, it's a sham. So uh, they're going to keep coming out. In the, uh, in the article, a, CD, a CDC official told the Times, there are a limited data on outdoor transmission. Pfft. The data we do have supports the hypothesis that the risk of outdoor transmission is low. 10% is a conservative estimate from a recent systemic review of peer-reviewed papers. You got to wonder where they're getting these peer-reviewed papers from. Well, we're going to have some peer-reviewed papers coming up here in a minute. And we're going to tell you these guys are for real. When He went on to say CDC cannot provide the specific risk level for every activity in every community and errs on the side of protection when it comes to recommending steps to protect health. It is important for people and communities to consider their own situational and risks uh, and to take appropriate steps to protect their health. It's just garbage, guys. Um, article went on to tell you it's less than 1%. It's just, it's insane. All right, guys. Uh, we're still in Corona land. Don't worry. But here's a report <clears throat> from the New York Post. Oh, wait, not the New York Post. This is uh, the Yankees. The Yankees coaches test positive. So just a real quick, you know, real quick touch on that. Uh, third base coach Phil Nevin and first base coach Reggie Willitis and an unspecified uh, support staff member tested positive, the team announced today. Now, the reason why this was kind of an issue is because these were breakthrough cases, which means that um, they, uh, they, uh, they were fully vaccinated when it happened. But I don't know. Something tells me, for some reason, that we might start to see a resurgence, a resurgence of covid deaths from people who are kind of higher up the chain or, or people who uh, um, are getting covid all of a sudden now there's actually a really practical reason for why these coaches had breakthrough cases of covid after being fully vaccinated and we'll talk about it a little bit later on but basically it has to do with the fact that your body's growing covid now if you got the vaccine or the rmnas uh gene therapy sessions uh because you got a spike protein in your body that it's going to make you more susceptible to it. Why do you think there's an uptick in youth and people my age or younger, you know, who are getting the COVID now, the Corona, the whatever you want to call it. It has to do with that. Last story I have for you uh, in brief about the coronavirus um, is, is from the New York Post. Hundreds of COVID victims' bodies are still refrigerated in trucks along the New York City waterfront. I thought that was horrid. And there's a photo of some of these trucks that are storing hundreds of dead bodies, people who died from coronavirus. No doubt most of them came from the nursing homes from Nipples, Nipple Rings Cuomo, right? Okay, so uh, the story said that the bodies of hundreds of New Yorkers are still sitting in a refrigerator, a refrigerated morgue on the Brooklyn waterfront more than a year after the COVID-19 pandemic hit New York City. Um, it says at this point, there are about 750 people's remains who are in this long-term storage unit in, uh, it, that has been specially designed disaster morgue. It's a specially designed disaster morgue. How, 
That's terrible. It's it's terrible to consider them to be in storage. Also, hey Frank at the NPC show, how you doing, sir? Good to see you this afternoon. Anyhow, the story continues. Families of many of the dead still in storage have requested that the city bury their remains on Hart Island, the city's potter's field. So Hart Island, um, as it turns out, is uh, where they actually bury people who um, are unidentified or have no family or maybe who are homeless. It says here, Hart Island is in the Long Island Sound and is the nation's largest public cemetery and is the final resting place of many of the city's unclaimed dead. That's sad, guys. That's super sad. Do you see why we need some uh, class action lawsuits? And they need to be personal. We don't need the city or the state to be paying for these lawsuits. Anyone who made these decisions, like Nipple Rings Cuomo, they need to be sued personally they need to be personally held accountable there's no reason why taxpayers should fit the bill for their decisions is what i think anyways so um this emergency morgue was set up on 39th street pier in the sunset park neighborhood and in 2020 it was storing more than 1300 bodies at a time all victims of the coronavirus and others who were deceased um and okay so let's go ahead and get into the next corona coronavirus story now we're going to talk about the vaccines, guys, because I know you all, at least some of you were here and present when I was talking about the mRNA vaccine and how it affects the human body, because mRNA vaccines are gene therapy. Basically, a quick breakdown again is you get the shot of the gene therapy fluid, it goes into your body, it breaks through into um, the part that... Basically, it breaks through into your DNA, it gets into the very essence of yourself, right? And then it drops a protein, because uh, all of these proteins are synthesized, right? So it drops a protein marker, and then your body starts to create the coronavirus, then it releases the coronavirus into your body, and then your body makes the, uh, makes the, uh, the, the antibodies that kill it, right? So it's a total, total counterintuitive process. It, it, it causes your body to create corona in order for your body to create the antibodies that will kill corona. Total, total counterintuitive gene therapy. It changes you on, a, it changes your body, your DNA structure, basically. And guys, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. I'm not giving you medical advice, but I'm giving you the advice that I'm following for my own heart and soul. Okay, so <clears throat> we had an article from the Salk Institute um, regarding vaccines causing more illness and death. So that is what these, and that's what we've seen. Now, interestingly enough, uh, what was it? The Johnson & Johnson and the AstraZeneca, seven deaths in seven million administrations of this shot, and they canceled the whole thing. Now you have Pfizer and Moderna who are in the thousands now of deaths and they're not stopping those gene therapy sessions. So I kind of see that as a little bit hypocritical. Interestingly enough, what I learned from this article is that the Moderna, the mRNA vaccines, as well as the actual vaccines, which were the Johnson & Johnson and the AstraZeneca. There is a difference, guys. Johnson & Johnson, AstraZeneca, they, had actual, they were actual vaccines. They used the adenovirus to be the base of what they were injecting into you to get that uh, the antibody reaction, whereas Pfizer and, um, and uh, Moderna were gene therapy sessions that caused your body to create corona to fight it, right? So vaccines were two, and then you had... But what I learned from this article is that 
all four of these vaccines and these gene therapies, all four of them have the COVID protein, the spike protein that is actually causing the, the clots, the hemorrhaging and more as we'll see in this article. Um, now the Salk Institute, so in case of you don't know what that is, the Salk Institute from their website embodies Jonas Salk's mission to dare to make dreams into reality. It's internationally renowned and award-winning scientists explore the very foundations of life, seeking new understandings in neuroscience, genetics, immunology, plant biology, and more. The Institute is an independent, non-profit organization and architectural landmark, small by choice, intimate by nature, and fearless in the face of challenges, be it cancer or Alzheimer's, aging or diabetes. Sulk is where cures begin. So the Sulk Institute is basically a world-renowned vaccine type of uh, uh, outfit, right? So that's what they are. Now they released an article. The no, the novel coronavirus's spike protein plays additional key role in illnesses. Um, it says the research was supported by National Institutes of Health, the National Natural Science Foundation of China, the Chanix Natural Science Fund, the National Key Research and Development Program, the first affiliated hospital of Jian Jiangtung University and Jian Jiangtung University itself. So this is the kind of people that are backing up this, uh, this, um, this research that's being done by the Salk Institute. Yes, we'll get into a little bit of the shedding localiz. So it says here, scientists have known for a while that SARS-CoV-2 distinctive a spike protein help the virus infect its host by latching onto healthy cells. Now, a major new study shows that the virus spike proteins, which behave very differently than those safely encoded by vaccines, also play a key role in the disease itself. The paper published on April 30th, 2021 in Circulation Research. Um, and if you'd like to see that paper, I think I have it here. Yeah, this is Circulation Research. If you'd like to go see the paper, this is where it is. This is where this info is coming from, right? Okay. <clears throat> it says here, uh, the paper that was published, the research that was published in this paper um, also showed conclusively that COVID-19 is a vascular disease demonstrating how SARS-CoV-2 virus damages and attacks the vascular system on a cellular level. The findings help explain COVID-19's wide variety of seemingly unconnected complications and could open the door to new research for effective therapies. Now, it says a lot of people think of it as a uh, respiratory disease, but it's actually a vascular disease. And that was said by assistant research professor Uri Menor, who is co-senior author of the study. <clears throat> and that could explain why some people have strokes and why some people have issues in other parts of their body. The commonality between them is they all have vascular underpinnings. There's been a growing consensus that SARS-CoV-2 affects the vascular system, but exactly how it does is not understood. In the new study, the researchers created a pseudovirus that was surrounded by SARS-CoV-2 classic crown of spike proteins, but did not contain actual virus. Exposure to the pseudovirus resulted in damage of the lungs and arteries of animals in that animal model, proving that the spike protein alone was enough to cause the disease. Um, the team then replicated this process in the lab, exposing healthy ed, uh, exposing, exposing healthy cells, the ones that line arteries, their edothelial, 
is what they're called, to the spike protein. The, um, that showed that the spike protein damaged the cells by binding to ACE2. This binding disrupted ACE2's molecular signalings in the mitochondria, which are the organelles that generate energy for cells, causing the mitochondria to, to become damaged and fragmented. Previous studies have shown a similar effect when cells were exposed to the SARS-CoV-2 virus, but this is the first study to show the damage occurs when cells are exposed to the spike protein on its own. And don't forget, this spike protein is in both vaccines and it and the um, the um, the gene therapy sessions, the Moderna and the uh, Pfizer ones, actually cause your body to grow this spike protein. Uh, the researchers next hope uh, to take a closer look at the mechanism by which the disrupted ACE2 protein damages mitochondria and causes them to change shape. Okay, so uh, let's see what we have here next. Okay, is a breakdown of what that is. Natural News broke it down, saying that the SARS-CoV-2 spike, spike protein is what actually is causing vascular damage in COVID patients and COVID vaccine recipients, promoting strokes, heart attacks, migraines, blood clots, and other harmful reactions that have already killed thousands of Americans. Critically, all four COVID vaccine brands currently in widespread use either inject patients with the spike spike protein, which would be your Johnson & Johnson and your AstraZeneca, or via mRNA technology, which is your Pfizer and your um, Moderna. And, um, and the mRNA technology, basically it instructs the patient's own body to manufacture the spike proteins and release them into their own blood. This floods the patient's body with the very spike protein that the Salk Institute has now identified as the smoking gun cause of vascular damage and related events such as blood clots, which are killing many people who take the vaccines. The vaccines were designed to contain the very element that is killing the people. The common cause is the vascular damage stemming from the spike protein. In essence, millions of people are being injected with artificial blood clotting factors and then dying from blood clots, all while disastrously dishonest corporate legacy media claim that all COVID vaccines are completely safe and have harmed no one. MRNA vaccines transform the human body's own cells into spike protein factories, spilling deadly spike protein particles into the bloodstream. A growing number of researchers are also finding that these spike proteins appear to be shedding or transmitting from the vaccinated into the unvaccinated, causing adverse reactions in people who were never vaccinated themselves, but who have spent time close to other people who were. Very interesting article, guys. Very breakthrough, if you ask me. And uh, we're almost at the top of the hour, so I can tell you for a fact, we will be running a little overtime today. I just got a couple of more stories to cover with you. And then we're going to wrap today's episode with, I think, a very positive and heartening story that... I think everyone here will appreciate, but you don't got to take my word for it. When it comes to these uh, reports, we, we do have a doctor here, <laughs> Dr. Sukarit Bakdi, and uh, let's go ahead and listen to what he has to say about this experimental injection and how it may help decimate the population. 
All right, guys, that's kind of scary stuff. Let's see what the doc has to say. Worldwide is in the order of 0.05%. 0.05. Guys, you know what that means? Of 10,000 people who get infected, who get infected with this damn virus, which is not a killer virus, and it is not a killer virus because of those 10,000, a maximum of five will die. You know, this is very, very little. You have to realize that this is almost nothing. Now, if you come and tell me that a vaccine is efficacious, it's got to lower that incidence. So it's got to go from five per 10,000 infected to less than five per 10,000 infected. And you can believe me, no clinical trial can be designed to show this. You'd have to vaccinate millions of people, if not billions, and then count those who have been vaccinated versus those who have not been vaccinated to see whether those in the non-vaccinated group die more often. And in fact, this has never been shown. So the claim that these vaccines are efficacious is a lie. You have to realize this. It's never been shown because it's not a question of, of protecting against a cough or a cold. It's a question of protecting against severe illness and death. I don't want a vaccine that may kill me, that will protect me against getting a cold. Do you? That there were going to be very severe thrombotic events. Very severe. Because, especially this headache, splitting headache, conscious, loss of consciousness, nausea, vomiting, is the typical sign that the blood is clotting in the veins of your brain. Very, very rare. The incidence of cerebral venous thrombosis is one to a million per million per year. So there are going to be 300 cases. Oh, don't mind the phone, please. Um, uh, in America, a year. Now, you may have uh, realized that cerebral venous thrombosis has now been diagnosed in those victims and that uh, the EMA, this funny organization, said, well, this is unfortunate, but the benefit of this vaccination far outweighs the risks. I couldn't imagine this. And now the FDA, you, you guys in America are saying the same thing. I can't believe this. I cannot believe this. Because for every one person who has died because of a thrombosis in the brain veins, a hundred have suffered and a hundred might also have died, every clot formation is potentially dependent on the aggressiveness of the immune system. If you go and start putting this spike on the walls of your vessels, and this spike gets into your immune system, and you say, come on, fight me, the lymphocytes are going to be trained in battle. It's like a sparing bout, you know, boxing. And these lymphocytes are then going to expand, clonal expansion. They're going to go back to bed in the lymph nodes and wait. If now the real virus comes by and infects the lungs, those killer lymphocytes are going to come out 
and they're going to get really overexcited about all of this. And what you're going to get is immune enhancement of disease. Immune enhancement of disease means that you're going to do much worse than if you had not had these sparing bouts, including the production of antibodies, okay? Second, and probably even worse, if you are foolish enough to let yourself get vaccinated in the fall, when all these companies are like, now we have to get vaccinated against the next variant, something that is so stupid that I cannot believe the Americans will accept. But unfortunately, I'm not sure. Don't believe, don't believe this lie, guys. Don't believe it, for God's sake. And for God's sake, inform yourself before you let yourself and your beloved ones be vaccinated. Because if you have been vaccinated once, those lymphocytes, if this happens again, are going to be even more active. So that's why the second vaccination has always turned out to be worse than the first. It's the booster, right? And guys, don't get a third or fourth or fifth, because if you do that, you are going to contribute to the decimation of the world's population. So uh, it, is, it is a real problem, guys. It's a real